The following was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Pastor Jesse Giglio is speaking. If we were to have a pool party in sort of the rhythm of many of our lives, there would probably be beer and wine at those things. And we were having a party, and I, I, I think one of the things we were working toward is like, it's all one thing, church, Christianity, faith, our life. It, it doesn't have to, it shouldn't be separate. That's when we get into trouble, when we separate those things out. Now, I don't, I'm not an advocate of people, if you have trouble with alcohol, it's not about the alcohol, but it's about how we live, and we live here the same way as hopefully we live somewhere else, and, and back and forth. So when people come into that, uh, hopefully they kind of see, see that rhythm. But I just had fun throwing a party. Uh, it was really cool. We were at a wedding this morning, Amy and I, kind of a stateside reception wedding for a, a wedding that happened last year overseas in England and this uh, dear friend of ours and, and some people here and I had the privilege of, of kind of doing a ceremony here uh, with this couple and, and they're not particularly church people nor most most of the crowd and it was just kind of cool to have that moment and just see this sort of sacredness even in that and there's something cool about weddings that way because most people even if they don't do church or religion or faith there's still something in the wedding relationship that begs some sort of sacredness that they, they involve religious people, right? And I, and I like going to those sort of things and doing them uh, as a pastor because I'm, I, they kind of know what I'm there for. And it's like, is he going to say something from the Bible? Yeah, he probably is, and it's going to be okay. You don't, we don't have to hide that. And so uh, it was fun to be able to do that, and it had some, just some great conversations out of that. Uh, one particular couple, this girl was sort of talking, about, uh, talking to us about our community, and she basically says, yeah, I don't really do religion, I don't really care for religion, but I like what I see about your guys' community, and it, and it, seems, it seemed appealing to her. And a couple weeks we talk, ago, we talked about this little verse in the Acts 2, where all the people looked on that new church community with favor, or the, or the Greek word uh, harlis, which is grace, so there was grace upon this community because of the way they lived their lives. And I, and, I, and, I, and I find that super profound, and I, I love to continue to push that way. That someone would say, man, I don't really like the church, yeah, but I kind of like you guys. I'm going to have grace for you and withhold judgment. Because people kind of have these, these judgments toward the religious institution and church and whatever baggage they have from the past. But they may see our lives, whether it's this or at a dinner or, or at your workplace. Like, you know, I, I have favor for that person or for that community. That's a, that is a powerful message unto the world that's where it, that's what it comes down to if someone might look on and say, oh, you know what i don't really do it but i have i like what these guys are doing so i, I guess it can't be all bad and sometimes it begins there like it's eh, i guess it's not that that bad uh, one of the things we haven't really talked about over the past few weeks is we kind of talked a little bit about our origin stuff here at new and about a year in was the name new and um and, and new is this i don't know it's this kind of cool word that i i i read this idea years ago, a few years back, and I wasn't even thinking about, like, oh, that'd be a cool church name. I just sort of like the idea of it. And it comes from, uh, the inspiration comes from, like, 1920s Germany, which, like, what church gets inspiration from 1920s Germany? But there was this, there was this art sort of movement at the time, and there was this, like, this big expressionistic scene of artists, and they were very romantic and philosophical and emotion, emotional, and they were trying to evoke moods and ideas out of their work, and it wasn't very realistic, but it was supposed to, like, sort of pull people in a certain direction, and I'm, I'm for all kinds of different art, but there was this expressionistic movement that these other artists started to look at, and they said, man, these guys are just all about like locking themselves up and painting how they think the world should be and not doing anything about it. Uh, they were romanticizing their sort of even, uh, the, the sort of even poverty of their situ own situation, and it was very self-involved, and, and this other movement came along, and they, and they said, you know, we can't just do that. We can't just sit around and do nothing 
and imagine how the world is or should be and not do anything about it. So we need to, we need to engage people. And there was a call to pu public arms and, and collaboration and engagement. And it was this rejection of just romantic idealism, of just talking about it and painting, painting pictures of like, ah, oh, whatever, this is how it is, or this is how it should be, and not doing anything. And this other kind of movement popped up, and they were called the New Objectivist, New Objectivist Movement. And they, and they sought to move away from this sort of philosophical objectivity. They meant to imply it, like, just turn to pro, pro, practical engagement with the world. Like they said, listen, we got to do something. We have to actually do something with the people and on the streets and engage one another, not just make art kind of way up here and a bunch of dreamers. Like, how are we actually making a difference? And I, and I love that idea. Now, I, I don't take it all the way. I mean, you could read on this stuff for if there's books, and if you're an art student, you can get into it. But, but this idea of kind of just rejecting, like just sitting around and matching how things should be and not doing anything really just got into my soul. And I, I think the church of any group should be engaging people at a street level. And sometimes over time, we've sort of just backed off to like, we kind of can like take shots at the world, but we don't really do anything. And I've been, I've been guilty. We've all been guilty. All of us here probably have been. We kind of live in our Maybe you're a Christian world, but you haven't really made a difference. It's easy to criticize. But this idea of new is like, man, we are about engaging people at a very practical and real, real level. And I think this early church movement was very much that, day, that way. As you looked at the way they lived, they gave to one another in need. They, they ate together. There was, there was healings and there was caring. And, and, they, and they kind of represented this community. And the, and the outside community said, man, that's cool. We like it. That's awesome. What do you guys do? Well, we care for one another. We, we eat in homes and we, we worship. Like, okay, cool. It's not so bad. And this is the gave the early church, which is ultimately now the global church. It's started. We've been talking about that sort of incubator period. And it seems that this early church, as the apostles led it at the time, they were just kind of, they were, they were able to give this whole thing a chance. They, they gave the church a chance, which is this crazy idea because Jesus was here and he kind of left and it wasn't really a church yet. And he said, I'm going to take care of it, but you guys go do stuff now. These like 11, down to, down to 11 guys, mind you, they had lost one, and who knows what the other people were thinking. Peter had just sort of went through his thing, like, eh, I'm not even sure if I want to, you know, stand up, for, stand up for Jesus or not. Jesus said, hey, just start, start doing it, start practicing these things, and, and see what will happen if you do this. See what will happen instead of like retreating, oh man, we're without a leader now, we're in the middle of the Roman Empire, and the Jewish religion that were massive, these two massive basically empires coexisting, and these young guys like, well, we're supposed to do a, we're supposed to do a movement here in the middle of this, this tension, and they just started stepping out, family, prayer, practices, and I love that sort of idea for us, like what if we did this thing, and, and it really this has been an experiment over the course of a year, like oh, what if we just started meeting together and doing it this way? What would happen? And there's probably a hundred reasons why it wouldn't happen, or why you know if I went when I if I have and when I have gone to church planning conferences, we've done so many things wrong. But like, no, what if this is a new way that we can live and engage some different people and some new people? I was at a Target this this week with Cash. I'm not sure what we were doing there, picking up a couple things, and we go through the store and and uh, you know we're having some fun and, and picking up groceries or I don't even know what we bought and uh, we leave, we're leaving the store and I'm, I'm, we're checking out and I'm like ah where's my sunglasses after, late afternoon I'm like where's my sunglasses Cash is like oh I don't think you had your sunglasses I'm like really I'm pretty sure I didn't I walk outside and it's like blinding light I'm like oh my gosh I'm sure I had my sunglasses because I would not have gone out in this like ah where's my sunglasses and kind of do a quick you know pass through the store and I'm like ah oh, man like I don't 
I don't see them. I, you know, maybe, maybe they're at home. Go home. Check the usual spots. Like, darn, like, no sunglasses. And I'm like, shoot, did I, like, leave them there? Did I, I lose them? Now, granted, part of that time that we were there, I was wearing this big panda ha- helmet around the store. So, like, it, it's possible I took them off in the costume aisle and, and, and lost them. And uh, I'm like, oh, man. I'm like, should I go back? I'm like, nah, I think they're gone. I don't really feel like going back over there. I'm like, well, what if they're there? And you kind of get in these deliber- li- deliberation moments, right? If you've kind of been there, maybe it's if you've lost something, or even with a person, like, ah, should I go back and say something to them? Like, no, nah, I don't really feel like it. Well, what if I do? Or did I offend them? I'm not sure. Like, we kind of have these little wavering moments in our head. I'm like, well, you know, if I go and they're not there, whatever. But what if I go and they are there? So I go back to the store. You know, go, go around all the hallway, you know, the aisles, and back to where I t- retrace my steps, and I go to the costume aisle where I was putting on big panda helmets, and, uh, and the list I brought over there that Amy gave me was on the ground of the costume aisle. I'm like, oh, man, I lost the list, too. I didn't even know I lost the list. But I pick up the list, I'm like, oh, sure enough, I must, my, my, my glasses are here. I'm like, well, and I, don't, I, I don't have very many nice glasses for this reason, but they happen to, I happen to have a pair of Ray-Bans that I inherited to somebody. I'm like, yeah, someone probably scored the Ray-Bans. I'm like, well, good on them. I shouldn't have left them in the aisle, and I just started going out. And I, I see customer service on my way out. I'm like, ah, so I stop. There's a line. I'm like, I don't really feel like getting in line. I'm like, well, whatever. I'll go get in line. Get in line. You know, this is just way too complicated. Get in line. Get behind a few people. And I said, I said, ah, I, said I, I was just in here earlier. I think I might have lost my sunglasses. And he goes, oh, what were they? I'm like, they're the black Ray-Bans. And she leaves for a second, and she's like, are these them? I'm like, those are them. I'm like, holy miracle. Like, this is amazing. My glasses have returned to me. And, and I, I just kind of thought in those moments for, that we sometimes miss, because we say, ah, forget it. They're gone. That moment's gone. That opportunity's gone. I've lost that thing. And we kind of think about that even in terms of people care. I, I, I think this whole Acts 2 thing is really it's about caring for people. We don't build the church. We build up each other. And, and for one another, as we, treat, as we treat one another with sort of care and love the way Christ would, it's these opportunities like, well, I'd love to pray for that person. Maybe I have a word for them. Or maybe I think I should pray for healing. But like, what if nothing happens? And we all kind of think that way. But, but what if it does happen? Like what if something does happen? What if the words you have to say to that person changes their world, changes their day? And we're actually seeing that in the women's group a little bit as they exchange that. I was with a friend the other day who had, he's been dealing with back problems for a while, and I, I got in the car after, I was like, man, I should have prayed for him. I'm like, well, maybe I'll pray for him later when I go back to the house. And like, I didn't. And like, I just, because I just forgot. But I want to be in that place where like, dude, you're back for it, let me pray for you. Let me pray that God touches your back and, and there's healing in your back. But what if God doesn't do anything? I don't know. What if he does? Right? I'd rather err on that side. And it seemed this early community, this incubator of the early church community, because we, we'll, we'll read that in, in the end of chapter 2 and what we'll look at today, chapter 3, they were about that. If that was the kind of thing that came up, like, let's just do that. They didn't ask, like, well, what if nothing happens? They're going to think, let's just do it. If somebody's sick, let's, let's believe for healing. Let's touch that person. Let's reach out to one another. So uh, Acts 2.42 uh, we read it, we'll look at it just real quick again. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper and, the, and to prayer. Deep sense of awe came over them and all the, as all the, and all the apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders. All the believers met together in one place, shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at temple courts each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared meals with great joy and generosity. Uh, all while pra- praising God, enjoying the goodwill, favor, grace of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So, so the apostles are, are leading this movement, and Luke's writing about it, hoping to kind of continue it on. So Luke's writing basically a, uh, almost an argument for the church, right? He's, he's sort of in defense of Paul and this new movement. He's like, man, these guys are, this is what they did. It's pretty cool. This is how they lived. 
and the apostles, there was, there was signs and wonders going on. And I think in this period of time, to give the church a start, because we read about these very fantastic stories in, the, in Acts and throughout the, some of the New Testament, and they were like, oh, I don't know if that's really going to happen you know, today or not. And, but, but God is using these guys to sort of model what's supposed to happen later on. It's, it's breaking out. These people are eventually going to go back home like, well, we don't know. Those guys prayed for people and they got healed, so maybe we should pray for people and they get healed. Like, remember, these, these guys, the leaders of this church, no, they're not that far removed from Jesus you know, leaving them, and they were just a bunch of you know, maybe upper teenage college guys, most of them. Right? Peter was just not that far removed a couple pages back. I'm like, I don't even know Jesus. Now all of a sudden this is happening. And the people are watching, well, like, I guess this is how we live. Because the people had no other model. The people had zero. They're coming into this like, we just got saved here. We don't even know what's happening. Peter stood up, and there's this, this revival. And now they're learning how to do life in church together. There was no books. There was no conferences. They're like, let's just start doing it. And so the apostles were, were living this certain way, and I, at least from my perspective. I don't think it was ever meant for them just to keep the whole thing for themselves. They're just making disciples. The last word from Jesus was, hey, go and make disciples. Like, well, let's start doing it. Let's start praying together and eating together. And then other people will see that and will help them do the same thing. And so Luke kind of gives us in this, this paragraph here. And then we'll see over the next few chapters and really, gosh, through parts of the rest of Acts, he illustrates these things. But let me read chapter 3 and we'll, we'll make some comments on it. Um, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in a 3 o'clock prayer service. So they're all still hanging out in Jerusalem. The church is growing. Uh, they're still going to temple for prayer. This is, they, they hadn't got any word from Jesus to not do that yet, even though they were kind of removing themselves a little bit from the temple system. That's what they knew. They went to the temple for prayer. As they approached the temple, a man, lame from birth, was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one that was called Beautiful, so he could beg to the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. So Peter and John on their way. They're in Jerusalem, bustling city temple a gate called beautiful was really elaborate part of the temple um one of the ones that was probably still standing even after some of the destruction and lots of people would pass through this this gate and so some men brought this lame man there to beg which was sort of common practice and we'd see that even in in the world today peter and john looked at him intently peter said look at us the lame man looked at them eagerly expecting some money but peter said i don't have any silver or gold for you but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then, walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. So this scene, and there's, there's a couple areas here I think that we can reflect on and you can find ourselves in this story. But I love that Peter and John, they're on their way to basically an appointment that was probably pretty important to them. This prayer, this three o'clock prayer, they're very sort of religious in that structure. But they allowed this interruption from this guy. So I don't have anything. And they kept going to temple to pray. They said, all right, let's deal with this right now. Let's talk to this guy albeit it didn't seem like it took very long but i think for sometimes it's so easy to kind of get our blinders on you see somebody who needs help and you're like dang that person needs a lot of help pass like i can't deal with that right now right maybe another time like just go on by he's lame i don't have any money forget it versus what can i really do to offer some healing to this this person and i think some of us have felt like that person you're just sort of looking for help and you're like 
People are walking by or maybe getting a little bit, but you don't really feel cared for. Peter and John, you know, Peter in this moment said, all right, man, I don't have money, but let me get into your life a little bit. Let's try something crazy. Let me invite Jesus into this, this narrative, and let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. And even again, they're on their way to, to pray, to do these good things, and then they stop to help someone. And I think for, for you and I in this community, as we care for one another, I, I begin to see more and more the church, like we're, just, we're caregivers of people. We're caregivers of, of, of humanity. I don't know. Some of us don't like to think of that. We like to care for ourselves. And I don't really want to have to take care of anyone else. But like, if I look at the world like, man, part of our job here is to care for other people, which I, I think most of us would agree, it kind of changes things a little bit, how you might look at people passing by. Like, ah, I'm going to care for that person. Maybe it's not every person, right? We, we have a certain capacity, but like, how do I care for that person? Johnny Cash has this great line from his book, uh, one of his albums, The Rambler. Gospel ain't gospel until it's spread. How can you share it where you've got your head? There's hands that reach out for a hand if you would. So heavenly minded, you're no earthly good, right? It's kind of classic. So heavenly minded, no earthly good. That if Peter and John like, oh, sorry, we're on our way to pray. We can't really help you because we've got more important things to do like pray at the temple. There's a lame man right behind it. I think how many of us have been guilty of that situation, kind of locked into our own track. Like, man, there's somebody aching right next to you. And I think our context we think about this picture and people begging and like, you know, your life and where you go to work and come and go may not be filled with these lame people, or, or maybe it is filled with lame people and that's a whole other thing, but like, maybe it's not filled with people who are sort of, you know, broken and, and, and begging on the street, but, it, but there's people broken all around us. There's people broken all around us and this very right into this story of, of Acts, they established this group of people who cared for one another in their community, but also, even when they were outside of their sort of home network, they cared for the people of the world. And, and Luke, I think it's very, very poignant. We get right into this situation. It's right into this. We, yeah, we, we break bread in homes. We pray for one another. We have these, these good times. But also, when we go out on the street and we see somebody hurting, we, we, take a moment, we take a moment to care for them. So the apostles address this man in a very natural and profound way. And, uh, and they get to sort of the issue here with this guy. Uh, it's almost easy to just kind of throw money at him and, and be on your way. So let's... let's Let's introduce Jesus to this story. We were, uh, I don't know, it was probably a couple of mornings ago, um, waking up and our, our dog's on the bed. And we have this little, like, Chawini dog. And he's whim- she's whimpering at the bottom of the bed. Like, mm-hmm. like ah, what the heck's going on with the dog? Like, the door is open. It could leave. It knows how to get down from the bed. Mm-hmm. Amy's like, what's going on with the dog? I don't know. It's just, it's just lame. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm like, all right. So I, I, <laughs> I get it off. The, grab it from the bed. I put it down from our bed, and it kind of like still whining on the ground. I'm like, oh my gosh, what is happening? And it and it kind of limps out out into the hallway. And Amy's like, what's it doing? I'm like, I don't know. It limped out into the hallway. And she's like, what's wrong with it? I'm like, I don't know. Like, we'll go. She's like, go check on it. I'm like, I'm not checking on it. And it kind of go, goes out. We can still hear it in the hallway. I'm like, oh man. And I'm like, I'm going back. You know, going back to bed. And Amy gets up because she's a better person than I am and she goes out into the hallway and she's like oh I was so sad the dog was backed into a corner its its hand got caught in its collar and it couldn't walk so it was kind of limping around like that <laughs> this little three-legged dog situation right and I'm such like you know just how I am like I didn't somehow didn't notice that then I went to I thought I was being helpful I didn't really help it I just put it on the ground and sent it on its way you know it's like, <laughs> and it crawls out of the room 
And I, but I, but I wonder for some of us have probably felt a little bit like that. Like, you're, I just, like I'm hurting. I just need help. And people come around like, oh, cool. Like they pat you on the back and pray for you and like send you on your way. Like, no, like you're not, you're not helping. I, I need help. I need help. Like my hands are caught. And, 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 they, and we don't help people the way they, they, they need. Right? And, and, and I think there's an attentiveness to that. And it's also like getting out of bed. And like, all right, I'm going to deal with this situation really. Not like me just pushing it out the door hoping it goes away. Because right, there's one way to do that, but as we kind of practice our lives, like, are, are we willing to get into people's lives and get dirty? And those of you who've maybe been broken or offended or hurt by, like, they, they thought they were helping, but they didn't even do anything. They didn't actually address what was wrong with me. It can be a very lonely and painful sort of way to go through life, a very situation, you know, that situation. And so when we introduce Jesus into the story, whether it's through miraculous healing or grace or just emotional or or actually just genuine care of of a human being, it gets to sort of the root of it. And this lame man, this this guy at the the gate, he lived this way for years, he just wanted to be be supported in the condition that he was in. So in his agenda, put me at the gate, I'm lame, I'll be lame, give me silver and gold, I'll just continue to sustain, sustain where I'm at. But God wanted to completely change his condition. He wanted to change his condition. And I think some of us are guilty of that. Maybe there's people around you like that. Maybe you are that person. And if we think about it really, because we all have things we complain about and we don't like about our lives, this guy, he just wanted to support where he was at. He didn't really want to change anything. And God's like, no, I don't, I don't want to just mask that situation. I don't want to just sustain where you're at. I want to completely change your reality. And there's a gospel in that message. There's a gospel story. Like, I'm going to change your condition. Even though you don't know what that is, I want to get into that place. And that's scary. If we were to ask God, like, man, God, I want you to just radically change my condition. Like, I know I think I have these things that I'm going to bring to God, and God, would you help me with this, this, and this? God's like, yeah, whatever. What if I'm like, God, do the work in me that you want to do in me? Like, man, that's scary. I'm not even sure I want, I'm not sure I want that if I'm honest. Shoot, what does that mean? What is he going to dig up? What is he going to change about my life? And so Peter and John usher in Jesus into this sort of, this story for this man, interrupt his life for the rest of his life, been living one way for so long, he just accepted it. He wasn't even looking for healing. Man, have you ever been broken for so long, you just forget, healing's not happening for me? Let me just mask this as long as I can. And this story, it's silver and gold, and, and, and today it could be, you know, drugs, alcohol, food, friends, it, pornography, you know, social media, whatever that thing is that you just sort of cover up all the stuff with, Jesus wants to get in, like, let's get down into it. Let's get down into it. And I love this, this little moment here that happens between verse 6 and 7. It's a space between verse 6 and 7 that is just, was just blowing my mind this week when I was reading it. Peter said, I don't have silver and gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. And there's a break. It says, then Peter took the lame man by the hand and helped him up and i love that part instead of just saying man get up and walk jesus got you healed and man's like uh peter's like i'm gonna come over there and help you up i'm let's do this together let's both have faith in this situation because peter's like i'm a little scared too i don't even know if this is what's going to happen here but let's do this he reaches down and this man is broken let's do this together and because it's one thing to just go around pointing at people right hey be healed be healed get better get better be whole read your bible pray right jesus will heal you but like let me get my hand out. Let me help you do that. Let me help you up. Just this, this, this break from be healed, here's my hand. This is both, this partnership that, that, that Jesus invited 
his, his early followers into that Jesus was part of, right? Jesus didn't just come barking orders and telling everyone to repent and, like, you know, get saved. Like, let me help you. Let me show you how to do that. Let me take your hand, right? Peter, out on the water. Let me walk back with you. Let me feed you if you're hungry. Let me heal you if you're sick. Let me help. Let's do this together. And it's a space between six and seven that I think you and I kind of live in, believing a God can do stuff. I think most of us say, yeah, God can do stuff. But am I going to be the person who actually brings that into somebody's life? I believe God can heal you. I believe God can heal you emotionally, physically. I can, he can heal your situation. He can do something with your marriage. He can uh, you know, help your kids. He can fix your finances. Will I put out my hand and help you with that? Or will I just say, all right, good luck with that. Man, Peter reaches out his hand. It's just so, so profound. I'm going to have... a. Noah come up and close in a song and just different things to think about. I, I can't help but think how many of us probably need to be pushed on to be a little more Peter, like a little more assertive. Like, there's people around me, I know there are every day, unless you like literally just stay in your home all day, work from home and do nothing, you probably see people. The Holy Spirit can speak to us of who those people are who need some kind of care, who need that Jesus story brought in. And who are you called to? Like, all right, it's, it's time for me just to stop pretending like I'm praying for that person or praying for that person. i got to extend my hand and offer some assistance out of that. And maybe together, through faith, we'll come out of it. Man, some of you just probably feel like this person, and you've just been maybe broken for a long time. Maybe it's almost invisible. It's, the brokenness has been going on for so long, you don't even notice. People don't even notice. Like, oh, yeah, there's that person. They're, they're, yeah, they've been broken forever. They're just broken. Man, it's not too late. It's never too late to invite Jesus into that. Invite Jesus in that. So, God, thank you for this afternoon, for this community, uh, just for the health that's happening here, Lord, and, and uh, kids and families and story and song, God. Um, now, my heart's just heavy for the person who just feels broken and, and lame and hurting and hopeless. And I don't know what that thing is, Lord, but I, I, I just hope that you encourage them this afternoon, that they may believe that they do not have to stay that way forever, Lord, uh, that you are about changing the conditions of the heart in real ways. God, we sometimes ask for the wrong things, but Lord, come in and, and speak to us now, Lord. And the way you would have things go. In your name, amen. The preceding was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Pastor Jesse Giglio was speaking. For more information about New Church, go to neuechurch.com. That website address again is neuechurch.com. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you and yours.